0: Welcome back to Tome of Tales, set in the Cantus Expanse, a long-running 5th edition D&D campaign. This episode is a downtime write-up, co-written with Ian, who plays Mace, Johnny, who plays Tasmuk, Leeksy, who plays Bane Cinderwood, JSD, who plays Sunday, Jamie, who plays Mallory Taffeta Thistletop, Andy, who plays NPC Aurelia Archelon, and Toby, who plays Varus Nalo. It is called Persuasion Checks, continuing after the events of Real Time Strategy. Walking slowly away from the crackling purple light of the augmented teleportation circle from which they have just emerged, the four battered figures seem a little out of place in the swirl of nervous activity in Portal Plaza. Sunday, armoured but unarmed, and Bane, with his heavy maul resting across his shoulders, are both caked in dried blood and ichor scorch marks on their armor from the hellfire that flared out at them every time they struck the rage knight's boiling form Taffeta and Trevor their respective crossbows slung across their backs are less bloody but their clothes are torn and dirty Trevor stops and takes a swig from his trusty flask then turns to the others It's been a privilege to fight with you all but I have to take some time to plan something for myself i wish you good luck on the battles ahead and hope you might help me with something should you survive the cloaked half elf starts to turn away but bane reaches out and pulls him into a firm hug then grinds his scarred knuckles across the top of trevor's head stay out of trouble trav released from the powerful grip trevor awkwardly straightens his cloak and nods to the other three then walks off purposefully in the direction of Swampside. Well, says Taffeta, looking up at Sunday, and even further up at Bane. What now? A halfling, a tiefling, and a dragonborn walk down the street, heading towards Portal Plaza the roguish tiefling carrying a pair of magical shackles whilst the small halfling tries to reason with him once more. I still don't think we should be selling them to the very people who are going to be risking their lives to save the realms. Cheryl huffs in a hushed, intense tone to Mace. I know you like gold, Mace, but please reconsider. The trio spot Bane. Sunday and Taffeta, as a half-elf they only vaguely recognize, leaves their company in the plaza. Mace starts making a beeline straight for them, sighing at Cheryl, but gives no hint of backing down, though he is nervously wringing his hands. Now hold on, Cheryl! We risked our lives to find out what was in that devil's mind, and all we really got as a reward were these shackles! I understand they might be helpful, but at least I would like some reward for handing them over. They are very valuable. 300 gold pieces easily, probably more. Taz agrees with me, I'm sure. The red dragonborn nods. And I have mouths to feed and a business to run. I need that money, whether Kulgaron survives or not. No, wait! But Mace ignores her and marches on ahead, catching the attention of the three standing figures and starting to speak. Cheryl catches up. Taz's longer gait, easily outpacing her just as Mace, starts to launch into his sales pitch. Ah, my friends, Sunday, and Sir Bane, it is now, isn't it? Congratulations on your knighthood. Well deserved, I say, and very timely indeed. I don't know your lovely companion, but we know you as quite capable individuals. Taffeta opens her mouth, but then closes it again as Mace continues. As you well know, I'm sure, the Infernal Portal opening in Kulgaran is all of our business, and we have just returned from a meeting with Kazafa the Wise, who has drawn up a strategy for meeting this calamity head-on. I am sure you will have a significant part to play in all this. At this, Sunday stops and turns, having walked on past the tiefling, and starts to pay attention to Mace's words as he continues. We wanted to offer our support to you, and offer you this pair of rare and valuable dimensional shackles, magical chains to perfectly restrain even the mightiest fiend which I am sure could become quite useful to you. We risked our lives to get them and would offer them to you at a special, highly discounted price. A -a one-of-a-kind deal. Various emotions dash across Cheryl's face as Mace talks before her lips form a firm line and she looks to the tiefling half-orc and halfling across from them. It's clear from her body language she doesn't like what Mace is doing. Taz, standing on Mace's other side, smiles to himself, looking the adventurers up and down. In his mind, they are not short of valuables to trade. No doubt, though, they'd try to wrangle this for free. He decides to keep quiet and let Mace handle the negotiations. What say you? Mace asks with his trademark grin. Might this be of use to you? Chain up Zariel herself, eh? And put an end to all this madness. There is a protracted moment of awkward silence. Bane looks from Mace to Sunday to Taffeta and back again to Mace, the skepticism clear on his face. You've got some fucking nerve, mate. Beside Bane, Sunday snorts derisively. The half-orc gives a brief glance to Taz before nodding at Cheryl, who nods back. <laughs> thank you. The tiefling beams all the brighter. We will all need strong nerves to see us through this crisis. And in a small way, we wish to support you in this. We really do feel that you might make the best use of these shackles. Who better than you to wrestle an Archduke of the Hells to the ground? Stop talking. Sunday says quietly, turning to look at Taz and Cheryl. What is he on about? We want to offer these dimensional shackles to you, Sunday. Cheryl replies. Some of us want to just give them to you. There's more to life than monetary pursuits. She flashes a glare at Mason Taz, then closes her eyes and takes a breath. But some people think differently. I don't mean the shackles, Sunday replies, wariness roughing the edges of her tone as she rubs a hand over her face. I don't care about the shackles. What are you saying about Kazifa? She's back. With some plan? And what is he? Sunday nods towards Mace. Saying about wrestling Zerial to the ground. Is this some sort of joke? Cause if it is, now's probably not the best time. She gestures at the battered, bloodied, and exhausted state of herself and her companions. The fae bard's brow furrows under her circlet. Then clears. Things are happening fast. We helped Kazafa get some valuable information, but she's talking to the powers that be about a plan in three parts. At this, Bane shoots Sunday a quick, amused glance. Sounds like a unilateral decision to me, he says quietly. Sunday smiles bitterly in return, laying a hand on Bane's arm as Cheryl carries on. Part 1 is the armies of Kulgaron and Daring Heights joining forces to fight the armies of the First at the portal. The small woman says, grim determination painting her face in hard, sharp lines. Part 2 will be a group that goes directly to Zariel herself, a feint to distract her from part 3, the lynchpin. A small group that takes out the elemental power source in Zariel's tower, which is controlling the portal on the Avernus side. Sunday's expression slowly changes from confusion to incredulity to amusement at Cheryl's words. Now I know you're joking. Cassifa really likes to take the piss sometimes. She clearly is not changed in that respect. <laughs> And you've decided that we are to confront Zeriel directly. What's part four of your plan? Get Rolor to sneak into Nessus and steal Asmodius's pet lemur? You may think it's a joke Sunday, but I am being very serious. Cheryl replies, her voice changing. Anger flashes across her face for the briefest of moments before she looks to Bane. Her expression clearing into earnestness again. If you want these to help in your fight, then you should take them. Sunday merely raises a bemused eyebrow at Cheryl's outburst, as Taffeta looks in confusion from one face to another. Uh sorry. Our fight? Have I missed something? The halfling asks. Bane shrugs his massive shoulders. Seemingly at the whole situation and possibly the world at large Sounds like someone high up the chain somewhere has a plan and that plan involves us doing something really fucking dangerous So far so good The amiable grin on his face hardens into something sharper as he narrows his eyes at mace What's doing my head in a little is that this piece of shit wants to cash in on it Mace does not flinch, muscle memory keeping the smile as hard as if carved in stone. Only the black orbs of his eyes reflect the unspoken wince of a puppy that has just been kicked, but returns nonetheless, tail wagging. Look, I know this is all rather sudden and things are moving quickly, but we really think these shackles could be more helpful to you than to us. As for the price, we are quite reasonable, putting in a saving-the-world discount, of course, for our valiant heroes. Cheryl looks away, shaking her head. But I risked my life for these, and I have mouths to feed back in Port First, people who depend on me. His eyes quickly swivel to look at each of them, lingering on Taffeta for just a moment longer, before returning. I am eager to help, but I can't afford to give them to you for free. I'm still struggling with the wider plan and why we would even need the shackles. Sunday says in response, shaking her head. Do any of you know anything about Zeriel? She asks, directing her words at Mace, Cheryl, and Taz. What makes you think we can get Anywhere near her to use these things. Sunday waves a hand at the manacles in Mace's grasp. Why would a feint, as you put it, get her to leave her tower if that's where the key to all this is? And who are you sending into Zeriel's tower to disable her grand plan? Have you asked any of these people if they even want to be involved? Think we all need a bit more context, then? Here are some shackles to throw at Zeriel. Good luck! Sunday shakes her head again. Do any of you really know what this plan of yours is? Bane's grin is showing teeth now, and his eyes don't leave Mace's even as he replies to Sunday. The plan is we're gonna be bait, love. The daughter of Valkyra, the Godslayer as well, probably, and the rest of us idiots you keep around. That's what's gonna draw her out. We're gonna lay down our lives, and hopefully it'll work. Hopefully we can buy enough time that this clusterfuck of a plan falls into place. And hopefully Zeril won't win, and bring the blood war to the material plane. He takes a step closer to Mace, his voice lowering to a menacing rumble as he looms over the tiefling. Hopefully she won't come through with her armies and bathe us all in flame and gore. Hopefully thousands and thousands of people won't die. And you're thinking of turning a prophet? Taffeta glances at the only pair of eyes that are level with hers. Sincerity can be seen in their topaz blue depths, but it is overshadowed by something else. Cheryl looks over to Taffeta, and there's a half-smile that tips the corners of one side of her mouth up a fraction, but then it's gone. Mace does not flinch under Bane's glare, the permanent grin unmoved. Look, friend Bane. Bane shakes his head. Don't you dare call me that. Fine. Look, acquaintance Bane, I am not telling you what to do. This isn't my plan, and I appreciate that you may not feel entirely thrilled by the prospect of being asked to charge into hell and confront an infernal archduke directly. If only as bait. Bane cuts in with a snarl. Actually, I'm fucking ecstatic. This is what I do for a living. I get my hands dirty so other people don't have to. Free of fucking charge. May waits patiently for Bane to finish before picking up again. That's fair. What I am offering is a chance to improve your odds, if ever so slightly. We are all being asked to risk our lives in one way or another in the coming days. All I am saying is that I have people I care about, children that rely on me and I would like to leave something for them behind in case I don't come back. Do you know what I mean? Do you have a family? Children? Loved ones? I am not seeing this as a chance for profit. This is insurance. For those I leave behind when I step through that thing. He points to the teleportation circle. Whirls of magic shimmering with unknowable power because for every one of us over the next few days every trip through that thing could be the last one he sighs lets the smile drop and looks earnestly at each of them in turn well I have said my piece maybe you don't want our help Bane nods at him deadpan good I don't know how much more bullshit I'd be able to take You're making gold off of people in need. End of story. I'll give you twelve hundred gold pieces for you to give me the shackles and get the fuck out of my sight. Mace squints, strokes his chin, and offers a sad smile. Fifteen hundred gold pieces for you, Bane. Dearest of all my acquaintances. And at that price, I am really cutting my own throat. Bane smiles and grabs Mace by the scruff of his neck, pulling him in close. He pulls his arm back, about to punch Mace when Taz raises his voice. Hey, hey! Shouts Taz, not wanting to test his strength against Bane. That's enough! It's just some shackles! Bane doesn't respond, but does lower his fist. He turns his head to growl in Mace's ear. I see you for what you are, Mace. And I have no fucking patience for your antics. You talk about your children and the people you care about when it's men like you who put them starving in the street to begin with. One thousand gold pieces. Take it or leave it. Entirely up to you. Taz overhears the words one thousand gold pieces and tugs Mace backwards. Bane looks at Taz for a second before relinquishing his grasp on Mace's neck and stepping back. Taz turns to Mace. We've clearly said our piece here. I think they don't want them. Let's take this back and have a drink. I'm sure we'll find a use for them ourselves. Mace falls to his knees, coughing then gingerly touching the quickly developing bruises on his neck. (coughs) Clearly, a simple no would have sufficed. I bid you good day, and wish you luck in the war to come. We will all need it. He gets back up, steadying himself against Taz's shoulder, and giving him an appreciative nod. Let's grab that drink. I'm buying... Cheryl steps in front of Mace and Taz, holding out her hand for the shackles. Give them to me, Mace. I will forgo my gold for them, since that's what you clearly value the most. Meanwhile, Taffeta has turned to her two friends, and whispers as best she can while still projecting her voice upward to them. Look, I don't know what's going on, exactly, and I don't like that fellow, but would it be worth having those things, whatever they are? If there's going to be this attack. Bane shrugs, looking between Taffeta and Sunday, whose attention has drifted away during the scuffle to something across the square. He turns back to Cheryl and takes a coin pouch from his belt, weighing it in his hand before holding it out to her. 1,200 gold. The Fay bard looks at Bane for a moment Raising an eyebrow, before returning her gaze to the two in front of her. That sounds like a fair bargain, does it not? She asks, a sneer in the words as she speaks to Mace. Her voice goes flat and low, only to be heard by Mace and Taz. This is bigger than us, and it's time you start thinking of a bigger picture, rather than your small kingdom. Mace hesitates for a moment, his black eyes becoming cloudy for the briefest instant, before he nods in assent. Cheryl reaches out for the bag of gold from Bane. At the same time, Mace offers her the shackles, passing one to the other, never losing eye contact with the tiefling. Once the gold is in Mace's hand, she turns to Bane and offers a small smile under worried eyebrows. Here. Bane accepts the shackles, slinging them over his shoulder and giving a lazy salute before turning to Taffeta in Sunday. So Daisy's Nan wants us to be bait, huh? At the half-orc's words, Sunday's focus shifts back to the group in front of her. And half the dawn lands too, it seems. Does anyone know where she is now? I think she's in Avernus, replies Taz. But I'm not sure. She said she had to talk to a lot of people very quickly. Kazafa turned into a hawk and flew out the window of the hung rabbit without telling us who she was seeing next, though. Cheryl half shrugs. I could send her a message, if you'd like, Sunday. So we don't know where she is, Sunday says, ignoring Cheryl's offer. Did she tell you anything useful? Like who else might be involved, or when this is supposed to happen? A small woman looks at everyone, taking in their expressions and body language. She sighs and turns back to Sunday, holding her head high. Sooner than we are ready for, within a day or two at most. Maybe Daisy knows what's going on, offers Taffeta. Or at least where Kazifa might be. Sunday nods slowly. Or maybe someone on the council knows something. She gestures in the direction of the building standing on one side of the plaza. Bane, coming? The half orc gives a small shake of his head before nodding towards Castle Side. Gotta go check in with the boss man. Come find me later if you want. Sunday reaches up to rest her hand on Bane's arm. "'Good idea. He might know something about this. See you both later.' He covers her hand with his briefly, before nodding at the rest of the group. "'Pleasure doing business with you.' He walks off northward, while Taffeta and Sunday head toward the town hall. Cheryl watches them go their separate ways, her expression unreadable. "'That went well, all things considered.' Mace winces as he keeps touching his bruises. Now, who's up for that drink? A half-eaten meal rests on a side table, whilst a small package tied in an elegant ribbon sits in the center of a writing desk in the recently tidied room of Cheryl the Fae-Touched. Two names are written on its soft brown paper. Friends the Bard trusts dearly and who have been there for her many a time. The Fay Bard stands by the window, the evening sun hitting her circlet and making it glow brighter. Holding her harp close to her chest Fingers running along its strings as she puts together the words she wishes with her eyes closed, soaking up the last rays. She must choose the right ones. Her lips are moving, but no sound is coming out as she weaves the words together. Finally, it falls into place and she opens her eyes. Her fingers find the E-flat string on her harp and pluck it. Then the C... Then A. As the notes ring out, she feels her fingers curl in as one of the oldest promises she had made to the Summer Queen starts to activate. It holds her there. But then she starts to speak the message she wanted to send across the plains. And the magic subsides, letting her go as it steals away her words. Hello, Femère. Zeriel of Avernus is invading the Material Plane. I'm staying to fight. Try and stop this. Be ready. See you soon. Love, Merla. There is a long pause. She knows the spell has worked, because she can smell the summer court all around her, and the heat from the gem in her circlet would burn the skin, were it worn by someone else. She hears movement before Titania's voice fills her mind. Very well, daughter. I will see what can be done. Fight well. The sun sets and the heat of summer disappears, leaving goose flesh rising in its wake. The soft glow from the imperial topaz is the only light in the fading twilight of the late spring evening, as it reflects in determined, ocean-blue eyes. The next morning, the three-headed Etton. The tap taproom was an unusual cacophony of noise for this time of day. The full staff had been called in to cater for everyone as the tables filled out with adventurers new and old. People who hadn't seen each other in weeks or months clasped arms and sat down to catch up over drinks and food, brought out just as quick as possible. Thank you for waiting, as they waited to see what news would come. The flourish took in Port First was always a cacophony of noise. But today, it was definitely louder. The call had gone out across the two towns. A message passed swiftly down streets and cried from rooftops. Adventurers, assemble! Naturally, everyone understood that meant at the pub. For all the chaos, the Etten went quiet very quickly when Aurelia walked in. Flanked by Kazifa and a tall minotaur some recognized as Senator Rhodes. They strode through the crowd, parting before them, and stepped up onto the small stage. Casafa turned to face Aurelia and moved her hands in the air, creating a faint blue oval. At the same time, a similar blue circle appeared in the air in the flourished took miles away, and Aurelia's face peered through. Ah, there. <laughs> Sorry, I was on mute. Aurelia's voice rang out in both taverns. You are all aware of the dire situation developing in Kul'Garan. The armed forces there have already been fighting a growing army of devils and fiends from Avernus, and the rate of their incursion is accelerating by the minute. Daring's first, our army, have already been deployed to support and we will be coordinating with Grandmaster Nelo where possible. Six months ago, we faced giants in Kulgaran, And pardon me, Senator, but the worst-case outcome then for daring was the loss of a dear neighbour and partner. The worst-case scenario today is exactly what is happening. The invasion of the material plane by the forces of hell. The blood war between devils and demons has been fought for longer than time itself, and the balance between the two sides is all that stands between us and the total domination of all life by one of these two forces. She pauses. I cannot stress this enough. Having Archduke Zariel gain a foothold on the material plane like this is one of the end-game scenarios. If they succeed, we don't just lose Kulgaran or Daring Heights. We lose everything, Everyone you have ever cared about. And we simply do not have enough time to pull in more forces from elsewhere. We stop them now, or we do not stop them at all. The circle fizzled and disappeared in Kazafar's hands, who cursed and shook her hands out briefly before reconnecting to the team meeting. To that end, we have a plan, coordinated with the leadership of Kulgaran as well, and we need your help to achieve it. We have to close that portal, and yesterday some of you helped Kazifer here to confirm how. There is a generator in Zariel's tower in Avernus, which is powering the rift from their side. We cannot disrupt the blood ritual that is powering it on this side, as it is the size of a country, but we can stop that one. To get to it will require a great feat, and no one is better equipped for this sort of task than those of you gathered here and in port first. There are obstacles, however. If you go straight for the generator, all the hordes of hell will close around you. There are significant sentries and wards that if you sneak to it without a significant distraction, you'll get caught And again, the hordes of hell will close around you. Even with a major distraction, Archduke Zeriel is one of the foremost tacticians in the multiverse. If she is still in play, she will likely figure out our strategy. And yes, that means all the hordes of hell will close around you. So this is what we propose. Later today... The bulk of you will be deployed alongside the main forces and prepare for a full counterattack against the Devil Army. We will rout them, force them back through the portal and follow them into Avernus itself. We have a few other thoughts of ideas which may assist with this, but that is the core of it. While this action happens, demanding Zeril's focus, the strongest among you will make a play straight for the Archduke. Your task is simple. Keep Zariel's attention. We need to take her eye off the field. Whatever you need to do, do it. But be the distraction we need you to be, or all is lost. Finally, a small group of you will be sent into Avernus completely separately to sneak into the tower find the generator and sabotage it, closing the portal and stopping the war completely. It's a bold strategy and it requires putting a great many lives in peril, including yours. Unfortunately, time is not on our side and this plan will work if everyone plays their part. We will stop this horde Save Kulgaran, and ultimately the world. Who's with me? Silence rippled across the two taverns, a few cautious hands raising in the air. Aurelia sighed and put a hand to her head, then looked straight ahead again. Did I mention we are paying triple? It's always money with the mundane folk. I am with you. A strong, melodious voice calls out. Let's raise hell. There is no smile. Only sharp determination on Cheryl's fae-like face. The sirens are screaming, and the fires are howling way down in the valley tonight, shouts Taz, somewhat excitedly. And for triple pay, I'll help you put them out. We've come this far, and yes, It is time we took the fight to the vanguard, and to the hells of Zeriel. We must not find ourselves on the back foot again. Arcadius's voice called out through the room. I will help supply the army. Someone has to keep you lot in the fight. Menace takes a sip from his glass, and then grins wolfishly. And at triple price, I will make sure the wagons reach you in hell. Egraine stands up on her chair and props a foot on the edge of the table before her. She raises a tankard of ale, foam spilling off the rim as she does. "'Count me in!' she yells. "'Ulul Thalak! We ride to war!' Cheryl's ears ring with all the shouts of the adventurers that have gathered. It would be hard not to get swept up by the intoxicating swell that's building but a cold, hard stone keeps her grounded, and she's more reserved with her glass clinking with her friends around her. Cheryl sees a flash of light purple skin under green armor, and turns to see Sunday exit the Etten, a tension in her back that makes others give her a wide berth. The tiefling paladin's silence spoke volumes, and the events of yesterday afternoon flash through the small woman's mind. The way Mace... And even Cheryl herself had tried to offer the dimensional shackles to Bane, Sunday, and Taffeta. Could have been handled better. What about those of us in hell when the portal closes? It's a voice that others drown out very quickly. But it's something that has also been on her mind since yesterday. Will they be given an escape route? Or will they be sacrificed? Cheryl shakes her head. They will not abandon us. Across Daring Heights, in his study at the Order's Compound, Varis sits staring at the multi-tiered board before him. A small core of carved black pieces huddle at the center of the middle layer, while the top almost empty, and the bottom is a mass of twisted red shapes, all centered around a towering figure borne aloft on elegant. Arcing wings. With a sense of resigned inevitability, he moves the first of the black pieces, a knight on a rearing charger, to stand beside the twisted angel. This downtime write-up was called. Persuasion Checks, set in the Cantus Expanse, a long-running 5th edition D&D campaign run by the London RPG community. Co-written with Ian, Johnny, Leeksy, JSD, Jamie, Andy, and Toby. Queen Titania was voiced by Laura Tolton. Varys Nalo was voiced by Gwythian Evans. Thank you for listening. Tune in again for the next chapter in Cheryl's story.